everyone, welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast that discusses video game news, stories, and the biggest topics in the video game industry. My name is Luke, I'm your host. Joining me as always is my co-host, Adam Beagle. Adam, how are you doing today? Not too bad, you have to forgive me, my voice is a little off today, so I might <laughs> no hear some old man grunts happening on my end. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fair. I'm, I'm actually just getting over a, a cold myself. Um, the timing worked out though for me because I... Yeah, I, I actually had to take the day off work. I, I swear I was actually sick, but it happened to be the, the release of Outer Worlds, so I wasn't complaining too hard about that. <laughs> um, so in today's show, we are going to be talking about delays, delays, and more delays. There's a bunch of delays that happened. They were announced last week, so it's kind of old news at this point by the time you hear this, but Adam and I wanted to kind of share our thoughts around some of those news because um, they're big stories and you know we, we wanted to share what we thought about them what it could mean for those franchises and the companies and then uh, we also have a story about uh, xbox all access financing returning with project scarlet um, so we'll talk about that and then we're going to just end off the show with our impressions of the outer worlds uh, i have not completed outer worlds myself and adam i don't think you've had the chance to beat it yet yeah not yet so what we'll do is kind of just give our impressions talk about you know the game what we think about it and then uh if we want we can maybe just spend like maybe 10 15 minutes to kind of talk about more story stuff maybe talk about some stuff that could be considered spoilers but we'll leave that Mm -hmm. to kind of the end we'll make sure we give a warning we're going to talk about some of that story stuff for those of you who have yet to get your hands on the game so yeah that's what this week's episode is going to look like uh before we get to all that just a reminder that the podcast airs every tuesday and it's available on all the major podcast services such as apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify stitcher etc just search for games are fun on whatever podcast service you use and we should come up on there we're on 11 different services so chances are you're going to be able to find us um you can also follow us over on twitter at games are fun pod that's the best place to kind of go to find all the updates around episodes releasing uh question of the week all that sort of stuff and then you can also go over to facebook just search for games are fun Social links are going to be down in the show notes if you're interested in them. Before we talk about all the news for this week's episode, I did want to mention one more time that uh, I am going to be having a additional episode in the coming weeks. It's going to be a Death Stranding review, spoiler cast kind of episode. Uh, I ha- I'm still kind of figuring out how I would like to do it. It's probably going to be structured in a way where I'm just going to give my review of the game and then on the last half of the show, just talk about more of the spoiler stuff, talk about things that happened in the game's plot and everything. So that's going to be an additional episode. There's, uh, It's not taking over a regular Tuesday episode or anything like that, but because uh, I'm super pumped and excited for this game, I wanted to dedicate a whole episode to talking about it. So uh, you can kind of expect the game by the time... So it's going to... The game releases next friday and um so you can probably expect an episode hopefully within a week from then you know it just kind of depends i am taking time off work to to put a whole bunch of time into it and so hopefully that means i can get enough 
played that weekend to hopefully get an episode to you guys as soon as possible. So I can't believe it's almost here already. I know it's crazy. It's just <laughs> it, like it's it's seriously like the wait felt so long. But then when you think about it, it was only three years ago when that game was announced at E3, and we're a week away from it actually being released. So it's crazy. And what's even crazier that like it went gold like. A month ago or whatever and people have been playing it for almost a month now like all the, mm-hmm, the people yeah. in the industry so i'm i'm pretty pretty excited i have a feeling it's being pretty well received i don't know if it's going to be scoring tens or anything like that but that's kind of what the impressions i'm getting from just kind of people again not breaking embargo or anything but just kind of talking about it so yeah i'm looking forward to it all right let's move into the news starting with the first delay, and that is The Last of Us Part 2 is coming to PS4 in May. Uh, so this is coming from Neil Druckmann, the director of The Last of Us Part 2, over on the PlayStation blog. So he writes, To our fans, let me cut to the chase and get the news out of the way. The Last of Us Part 2 has a new release date of May 29th, 2020. I know, it was just about a month ago when we had our big blowout for the game, letting media play over two hours of it along with debuting our new story trailer and revealing the release dates. The positive response we saw from our community was overwhelming. You can feel the energy among the team members. After working on something for so many years, it's invigorating to get a glimpse of validation for all the hard work. However, it was during the last few weeks, as we were closing out sections of the game, that we realized we simply didn't have enough time to bring the entire game up to a level of polish we would call Naughty Dog quality. At this point, we are faced with two options, compromise parts of the game or get more time. We went with the latter, and this new release date allows us to finish everything to our level of satisfaction while also reducing stress on the team. While we're relieved that we won't have to compromise our vision, we're disappointed that we weren't able to avoid this exact situation. We wish we could have foreseen the amount of polish we needed, but the size and scope of this game got to the better of us. We hate disappointing our fans, and for that we're sorry. We hope you understand that this additional time ensures that The Last of Us Part 2 lives up to our collective ambition as well as our commitment to the highest level of quality. We know the extra few months will add to what may already be an excruciating wait for all of us. We are grateful for your patience and continued support. Come next May, you will finally rejoin Ellie in The Last of Us Part 2. Neil. Alright, so Adam, what do, how do you feel about this delay and what are your thoughts about maybe why they decided to, to push this you know, a couple months forward into the uh, tail end of spring? Uh, so when I first started, I was I was really let down because it's The Last of Us and we're all looking forward to it and it's going to be a great game. And then um, when I found out that it was at the end of May, I was actually kind of relieved uh, just because it's it was originally going to be coming out like a week before the Final Fantasy VII remake. And then later that month is also uh, Animal Crossing. And then, you know, shortly after that, we have uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Right. And there's just so many games coming out at that time that I was feeling like I probably would have had to take a pass on The Last of Us because Final Fantasy VII Remake would be would take precedence over uh, Last of Us Part Two. So actually, in the end, I'm relieved that it is where it is. Uh, going into the summer, um, you know, that's normally not a jam-packed time frame, so uh, it'll certainly allow me to put some more time into the game and um, just really 
you know, appreciate it and, and get involved in that world. So, uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, I'm sure a lot of people probably don't share that same, you know, cause you know, that's just an extra few months that, that, you know, they have to wait to get their hands on it. And, um, and part of me makes, you know, as, as far as why they're doing it, like, um, you know, they mentioned there about putting some extra polish on it and everything. And it's, it's good that they would, they would do that. Um, just so that they don't put a game out and have it be like a jank fest where mm-hmm. there's all sorts of bugs and things that just, uh, you know, you don't end up with like a Mass Effect Andromeda thing where it launched and there was so much going on with it that, you know, a lot of people ended up not playing it because of the things they read about and all the negativity that surrounded it ended up being a really great game. Um, but that initial impression turned a lot of people off and a lot of people that would have otherwise maybe enjoyed it, uh, you know, didn't play it because of the reviews and stuff that came about. So uh, I like that they're spending the extra time to make it right, uh, you know, and, and not have to be one of those games where it comes out bad and they spend months trying to patch it to uh, to make it right. My, my sort of headcanon as to why they do it is because of what I said before is like, you know, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Animal Crossing, Cyberpunk, like those big games that maybe they wanted to get their game out of that crowded space and and have it kind of more in a spotlight on its own. Now, it is only like two weeks after the Avengers game is slated to come out, um, but I, I think it's it'll still be less crowded in that time frame than uh, it would have been in February. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, no, I, I agree. We, you know, we saw the same thing when... With what was it? I guess last year when Red Dead Redemption Two, you know, it it, it received its delay and um, it was pushed to releasing, you know, last fall. And there were so many games that ended up getting out of the way. There were some games like Call of Duty that normally have a November release that were releasing, you know, almost a month prior, just to kind of get get out of the way from that. And mm-hmm. you know, The Last of Us is a pretty big franchise that you know anyone with a PlayStation 4 is probably going to be picking up and it can kind of stand on its own. But yeah, when you're, you're in competition with uh, another, you know, exclusive to your platform a week later and then a month later with, with Cyberpunk in there, you know, it, it could impact it in some sort of way. You know, that's a lot of time in between, but you never know if that's something that, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, they, they probably <laughs> do consider those kinds of things in there. I, I'm excited that it kind of got delayed because again, I, I was in the opposite. I was like, I'm, I'm a much bigger Last of Us fan, and I would be missing out on Final Fantasy 17. Whereas now, now there's a big space there. At the beginning of March, I'll be able to pick up that game day one, Final Fantasy, and put some time into it that it deserves, and not have to worry about you know having that to choose between the two games around that time right i think it's a good time may you know just before uh summer's coming up there's not too much you you did mention the the avengers there but you know i'm uh, me and a lot of other people aren't completely sold on that game yet Mm -hmm. so yeah i think uh i think it's kind of good in a sense i mean if they're delaying games generally generally mean good things unless it's constantly being delayed um it is surprising, like Neil said, that they they just announced a release date like a couple of weeks ago, and they're already yeah. so that that was the biggest <laughs> shock I think is a right. lot of people there was rumors swirling around that there um, was going to be one of the PlayStation exclusives or first party games was going to be delayed, and so 
Uh, we knew it wasn't Death Stranding because it had already gone gold, and that left Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us. And some people thought that they were going to maybe be delaying Ghost of Tsushima uh, to just actually be now a PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 game or some sort of delay in that. So I I kind of thought maybe that boat, just because the release date, we just received it. But um, yeah, the other thing that I, I listened to some other podcasts talking about this, like several different shows. Uh, and so this isn't my original thought, but some people were bringing up the fact that, you know, the PS5 has all these new features that they're bringing in. And it's very possible that, you know, the PS5 is going to be backwards compatible and you're going to be able to play your PS4 games. And maybe there are some new features or things that they were trying to implement into the game um, to, to kind of, so that if when it comes, when the PS5 launches, it will be a smooth transition of, you know, having the, those features that were maybe underneath the game uh, to work on the PS5, if that makes sense, like just kind of maybe optimizing the game or maybe they they wanted that closer to the PS5. I don't know. It, there's, there's so many, it, it, the, the fact that we're supposed to be having a console at the end of next year makes things, you know, a little bit worrisome when you, you're getting exclude, you know, the last of us suffered from this with the PS3, with it launching, you know, just before the PS4 came out mm-hmm. And, you know, they still did really good sales, but, you know, it's just, it's just, it's tough when you're, you're coming to that, that flip over and you're still trying to launch a game that you announced several years ago. Right. So, yeah. Now, um, do you see yourself in a position where you would maybe just knowing that the PS5 is, you know, around the corner, would you hold off on potentially buying either, uh, the Last of Us Part Two or Ghost of Tsushima, if it gets announced before the, the PS5 um, release date, would you consider waiting and picking them up at the launch of PS5, Honestly, or would you for sure get those um, during uh, while it's on PS4? Yeah, yeah. So for The Last of Us, like I'll, I'll for sure be picking that up on PS4 just because of the the time in between of when we probably think the PlayStation 5 is going to be releasing like there was that rumor that you actually sent me of it coming out at the beginning of December which is a little mm-hmm. later than uh, consoles traditionally launch in the the holiday season they're usually in November so even if it's November or December I mean that's you know four months that I would have to wait and I don't think I could do that for the last of us <laughs> now if it was a matter of like the game is coming out and we know that the console's coming out a month later then sure maybe I'm going to wait just just so I can have that more optimized experience on a better console um but yeah for Ghost of Tsushima I don't know like it, it's I'm I'm almost just thinking that like we have we don't even have a ballpark of when this game's coming out and so I'm expecting it to move into territory of you know releasing on the PS4 and PS5 next year I'm I'm hoping that the uh the reason why we haven't heard anything about it recently is that they're just they kind of just maybe scrapped a PS4 version and just said, this is a PS5 launch title. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of hope that's the case because then we know we'd have a super strong game uh, coming out exclusive for the new console. Uh, I mean, it would almost surely be kind of like put out simultaneously on the PS4 and PS5. Mm-hmm. But having that strong title 
for PS5 would would I think go a long way to to making some sales because we don't we obviously we barely know anything about the console we don't know anything what the launch lineup is going to look mm-hmm. like and if it's anything like the PS4's launch lineup you know we're going to need something bigger than Knack or Resogun you know what I mean yeah, like no, totally so having something like Ghost of Tsushima coming out and um, like again I I kind of hope it's just for PS5 to kind of incentivize people to get that that system um i'm sure they'll probably put it on both but because if you think about it like they could come out and say oh well we're porting ghost of tsushima to ps5 and we're porting uh last of us part 2 to ps5 and there'll be a port of cyberpunk 2077 but you're not giving anyone a new experience if you do that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um so if they can get something like ghost of tsushima and it's possible there's things in the works that we don't know about too but for the games that we do know about like it doesn't it we could see a very shallow launch lineup like we did in the past mm-hmm. if you know there's nothing else so you know if that's the case maybe they just make ghost of tsushima that launch title to uh you know kind of promote some some sales totally I think this is a good spot to actually transition into our, our next story because I kind of have some thoughts about these these next games that got delayed and how they could kind of maybe fit into next or how they could possibly help or help them help console cells with a launch lineup but possibly impact uh, some of their cells. So uh, Watch Dogs Legion... The new Rainbow Six Quarantine, as well as Gods and Monsters, have been delayed. So this is coming from Owen S. Good over from Polygon. So, Watch Dogs Legion has been delayed, Ubisoft said, in a note to investors this morning. This story is originally from October 24th, so again, a couple days old. But originally given a March 3rd, 2020 launch, the publisher says it will now show up in its 2020 Uh, 2021 fiscal year which begins in april ubisoft billed the delay as a decision to increase development time also delayed into the next fiscal year our rainbow six quarantine the follow-up to the tactical multiplayer series also announced at e3 2019 and gods and monsters a new open world role-playing game that seems to be aimed at a younger audience while each of these games already have a strong identity and high potential we want our teams to have more develop, development time to ensure that their respective innovations are perfectly implemented so as to deliver optimal experience for players. Ubisoft president, I can never say his name. Can you say his name? Uh, is it Yves Guimont? Yeah, that, uh, so. there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Um, not all Canadians speak French. I'll, I'll put that on the record. Um, <laughs> said in the statement, the delay leads a note of overall bad news, which mentions a sharp downworld revision in which the money Ubisoft expects to make from Ghost Recon Breakpoint, whose... Uh, oh, I lost my spot here because somebody's calling me. Sorry, let me silence my phone here. Uh, Ubisoft expects to make from Ghost Recon's Breakpoint Point, whose critical scores were well south of mediocre. Breakpoint is stuffed with microtransactions, and Guimont noted the game has been strongly rejected by a significant portion of the community. Tom Clancy's The Division 2, another open-world live-service third-person shooter with microtransactions that launched back in March, has similarly come in under revenue expectations, Ubisoft said, although to a lesser degree than Breakpoint. So, again, three more games being delayed uh there was gods and monsters did have i 
think some, I don't know if it was a for sure release date, but it, it, they said it was supposed to be coming in February or something like mm-hmm. that. I remember yeah. seeing something. I don't know how concrete that was. Uh, Watch Dogs Legion was definitely, they had announced it's March 3rd, 2020. And um, again, I don't know if Rainbow Six Quarantine got a exact launch date. I don't date know that not. that one had an actual launch mm-hmm. date. Yeah. But anyways, uh, what do you make of these games being delayed? Well, again, uh, with Watch Dogs Legion, I mean, that would have been a pass for me instantly. Because again, like Final Fantasy VII's right there, Animal Crossing's right after. Like it, it would have had to wait for me for sure. Um, so the delay is a good thing. It increases the odds that I would buy it. Cause I am interested in that game. Although I didn't play either of the previous two watchdog games. Um, this one does look pretty interesting to me. So, uh, if they, this is something like, you know, people are speculating that maybe it'll come out in the summer. Um, which at that point, you know, maybe I would just wait for, uh, you know, one of the new consoles to come out or it could make for a good stadia purchase. Um, you know, if it comes out day and date on Stadia, mm-hmm. uh, that could be worth getting. Uh, Gods and Monsters, uh, I'm kind of bummed about that game because that, that looked like a pretty interesting game. I, I was kind of all in on that. Mm-hmm. So with that being um, February, you know, if it was early enough and it kind of looks like a, I don't want to say indie, but it's kind of like definitely like a smaller scale. It's not like a AAA game or anything. Yeah. It's probably a shorter experience, um, you know, maybe somewhere around like the, the 10 you know, 15 hour mark, kind of like a, kind of like a Link's Awakening. Right. Um, I kind of feel like kind of got that kind of vibe from it, that it was a, a smaller experience, but, um, so I'm kind of bummed about that. And I don't think there was a, a date, a new date for that one. Is that right? Yeah. There's everything is basically, it's, it's just saying, uh, fiscal 2020, 20, 21. Yeah. Um, I did add, that Daniel Maud uh, over on Twitter tweeted out. Daniel Maud's a, a pretty big insider in the industry, and he tweeted out that morning that Watch Dogs Legion and Gods and Monsters will release between July first, twenty twenty, and December thirty first, twenty twenty. So he's actually pushed mm. it, you know, from technically speaking, the fiscal year starts April, so it could yeah. release a, like a month later. But uh, again, he has information that is leading to believe that it could be, you know, yeah, summer. Uh, and then Rainbow Six Quarantine Roller Champions planned for after April 1st, 2020. And two unknown AAA games will also launch between April 1st, 2020 and March 31st, 2021. Skull and Bone mm-hmm. still in development for this year too. <laughs> no further info on that. Uh, and then no news on Beyond Good and Evil 2. So I just wanted to add yeah. those points in there. So, I mean, yeah, going going into summer, like, I think that's a good time for them to start dropping games because we figured they'll probably have a new Assassin's Creed game, um, you know, coming out to fall, holiday-ish, um, maybe even a, a potential launch on the, the newer systems, you know, later in the year. That'll probably be a thing. Maybe one of the unannounced ones that they mentioned. Um so, you know, they they kind of want to do it sooner than later so that they're not kind of cannibalizing the sales of each other, mm-hmm. uh, their own games. But, um, you know, at this, you know, they got to find the right timing for it. So summer's probably a good time to start doing a, a bit of a rollout so that they're not jamming everything together and everything's getting bunched up. Um, at the same time, I hope it's not too, too long in delays just um, because of what's, you know, right around the corner and, you know, people waiting for those new consoles might be hesitant to buy them on the current ones and it could 
you know, decrease sales because of that. So it's just the, the timing is really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like they they definitely were like, as the article mentioned, uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint didn't meet expectations. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge blow to them for, yep. you know, those those earnings that they were expecting for this the end of this year. Right. Uh, the last of this this quarter. And so, you know, I, I think it's a smart play to maybe, OK, let's in- really ensure like we we can't afford to have this happen to us again. Let's let's really ensure that these games aren't going to have the same kinds of reception that, you know, because even, even I heard that the Division 2, although it would improved a lot of things that pe- the fans of Division wanted uh, in sales wise, it didn't necessarily do anything major. Um it was a well-received game from the most part, but again, they they it, they didn't necessarily have the year that they were planning. So I think they really want to focus to to make sure that it, they get it right next year. I I honestly, if it doesn't release in the summer, same thing that we were talking about, like with Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima, um, is you know they may look at putting that closer to the launch of the next gen consoles right you know ubisoft has done that even this this current generation of consoles we saw assassin's creed black flag releasing on the 360 i think just like a week prior to the xbox one coming out and then the ps4 came out like a week after that or vice versa or something like that and so it was you know they they know how to handle those situations um so I, I kind of expect that we might see at least one of those games kind mm-hmm. of do the same thing. But mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm kind of glad, again, same with the what I said about The Last of Us. I've ever since seen the reveal at E3 about Watch Dogs Legion. I'm totally interested. I've talked about it on the show. I, I'm one of the few people that I actually enjoyed the first one. I had complaints about it. It wasn't a perfect game by any means, but I enjoyed it. I really liked the second one. I never got around to completing it fully but this one just it looks even better than those two so uh it was when with it originally releasing at the beginning of march and when we had last of us and final fantasy i'm like oh there's no way that i'm gonna be able to play this this is gonna have to be like a i'm gonna wait till it goes on sale for maybe 20 bucks and then pick it up then you know now if if it's july and there's not a lot going on you know I'm, i'm probably going to to pick it up or at least be more likely to to buy it closer to the release date so yeah so we'll 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 keep you guys posted on you know when we hear those release dates i i'm excited for gods and monsters as, as well i'm i'm hoping that they're not too far out but again they were just announced last year so i'm not going to be bummed too much if we don't get them next year and they end up going into 2021 all right, let's move on to our last news story, and that is Xbox All Access financing returns with Project Scarlet. So, oh, my computer is blocking off my. Uh, all right, so this is from Engadget, uh, Igor Bonif. Oh man, <laughs> I'm, I'm I have no idea. <laughs> it's from Bonifacic. Bonifacic. Yeah, something like that. It is a very uh, a long last name that I don't know how to pronounce. So sorry, Igor, but Igor 
uh, Igor B from Engadget. Uh, so he says Microsoft is bringing back Xbox All Access in addition to expanding the availability of the program to include the UK and Australia. Stateside, the financing program will relaunch on November 18th through Amazon. Meanwhile, in Australia and across the pond, All Access will be available starting on October 29th and November 5th respectively. Uh, with the launch of the Xbox One S All Digital Edition, the most affordable tier now starts at $19.99 per month for 24 months. Alternatively, you can uh, you can get an Xbox One S for $22.99 per month for 24 months, or an Xbox One X for $30.99 per month for 24 months. Whichever console you pick up, each comes with a 24-month membership to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate Service, which bundles together Xbox Live Gold and Game Pass. The former allows you to play games online as well as get access to Microsoft Store discounts, while the latter is Microsoft's monthly subscription service that includes more than 100 games. Once you've done the math, all three tiers represent a discount over purchasing the consoles outright and paying for the services individually. Once Microsoft launches Project Scarlet next holiday season, you'll be able to upgrade to the company's next generation console provided you've made at least 18 payments on your existing purchase and return your console controller and power cord in good working order. There's also a $20 fee if you're upgrading from the Xbox One S All Digital Edition. If you end up springing for an, for an Xbox One X, you'll be able to upgrade to Project Scarlet after making 12 payments. That's an offer that's available for a limited time and will effectively allow you to get your hands on Scarlet as soon as it's available. The catch here is that you'll need to qualify for and sign a new 24-month financing contract for the next-gen system. Microsoft hasn't said how much financing a Project Scarlet console through Xbox All, All Access will cost. So for those of you who don't know, as the article mentioned at the very beginning, Xbox All Access is something that uh, has already been around for a bit in the United States. And like the article said, it, it's going to be coming to the UK and Australia. And so you're, it's basically you're going to be able to, you know, lease out an xbox um but you, well it's more financing i guess like, because you you won't have to well i guess you do have to return so it's more leasing that you would have to you're basically leasing your console um you you can keep it i guess but you got to give it back if you're you're upgrading to scarlet so this is really 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 cool in my opinion what do you think adam i'm i'm kind of on the fence about it because i mean this has been something that uh, you know people are kind of accustomed to already with cell phones mm -hmm. um so i mean it's sort of a familiar concept yeah. where you have your you know you kind of lease your device for two years or so but then sometimes there's offers that come up that you know after that first year or after so many payments you can upgrade to something else and then it's just kind of like a kind of like a revolving process now um i'm it certainly, I think, makes it easier for people to buy into the console doing it this way. So, you know, in that regard, that can really help uh, get it into more hands than if, you know, you just launch a console and say, hey, here's a $600 box uh, for you to play your new games, you know, have fun paying for that outright. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, like, I mean, I'm pretty good about saving up money, doing trades to, to get additional value towards a console. And um, if there's you know, if something I'm going to get anyway, like I'd almost rather just buy it and get it out of the way and not have to worry about those payments and, you know, um, signing leases and, uh, you know, th with this, the, the Xbox one X one, you have to qualify for, you know, the, 
the contract, the financing contract. So, mm-hmm. you know, going through like credit systems and things like that, I'm just, I don't know that I personally want to do that, but I think it's nice that there's options for uh, people that maybe that's the only way that they can get into it or get that console. And I mean, the fact that it comes with Xbox Live Gold and Game Pass, like, you don't necessarily need to buy anything right away as far as games because you have a ton already through Game Pass and then you have the monthly games that come with Xbox Live Gold. And so it's kind of nice having that already existing library of games at your disposal uh, once you get it. So I, I think it's neat, but I don't think it's for me. Right. Yeah, for for myself, unfortunately, this article kind of just says that it's coming to UK and Australia and I don't think the all-access program when it first launched was available in Canada at all. So it's from the, even the sounds of this, it doesn't sound like it's coming to Canada, which is unfortunate because for me, if it, if it came, I would consider it just for the fact that um, I, I'm next generation console, I, again, it's, it's really hard to say because we don't know all the details about the PS5 and the Xbox 2 or whatever it's going to be. And... I'm not sure, but I'm not good. I know for a fact I'm not going to be able to buy both right off the bat, right? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. if this was available, like, yeah, starting next month, I could, because I I still have my day one Xbox One and it's chugging along, like, but it is the loading, loading it up, um, you know, using the, the UI and everything and the operating system within the Xbox is is slow and it chugs and I have great internet speed but um, my downloading games is just brutally slow and I, I have to think that that's on the Xbox's side because like I said my internet speeds are, are are great for everything else it's just even my PS4 slim model can handle them at a pretty decent pace but downloading a 100 gigabyte game I basically don't expect to play that game that night, right? So I, I if this was available, I, I would totally get it because then it would allow me that that option of, you know, trading that in um, for the, the next console and then I would have it because as of right now, I'm more inclined to buy the PlayStation 5 day one and then maybe wait to down the road to save up a little more money to get Xbox Scarlet or whatever. Um, I... You know, and the thing is with when it comes to these kinds of things, there seems to be a lot of people that, you know, either are totally fine with with leasing or whatever. Other people, maybe not so much. Um, For me, I'm I'm pretty familiar with it. Like my I lease a pretty brand new vehicle as my second vehicle I've leased. I I like it because then it's like I, I pay payments. Sure, I don't own it, but I don't really care about that. Um, It's same with the phones, right? Like. It's getting to a point now, I think, where consoles are becoming really expensive and they're going to they really have to start looking at options for people that might not be able to go out and just buy it flat out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still the diff- only differences, I think, is for one, phones are definitely more than a thousand dollars if you just bought yes. them. Right. Um, here, even if we're still sitting at six hundred bucks, that's about half of what a phone would cost. And the other thing is, is console generations, although, you know, that could vary. Maybe this generation doesn't last very long. Who knows? But they usually last more than two years. And most phones, mm-hmm. you know, they people are getting upgrades almost annually, right? So if if it were, if that was the case where we were getting consoles more frequently, 
Um, I think that would be make more sense. But I think you're right. You can. There's enough of a gap there. We know that we like for right now. We're essentially almost a year away. You know, put put some money away, fifty bucks a month even, a set aside, and you should have enough money to buy you know that console next next year or whatever, right? So, um, I, I like I like that they're introducing it. I think we're going to see more of those things um, as long as hardware continues. But if we do transition more into a cloud-based streaming platform, then you know that obviously wouldn't we won't need to to worry about this kind of platform so yeah and the 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 point that you made uh makes sense too because i mean uh i'm i'm already planning on on getting a ps5 like that's that's kind of already in the works for me like kind of processing like saving the money for that and and thinking trades and things Mm -hmm. of that nature but um you know there's just not going to be enough there to get both consoles right at launch so it's like where i could buy the the playstation 5 outright when the time comes with the money that i've saved uh you know i can't necessarily say the same thing for the xbox but Mm -hmm. then maybe just doing that 30 dollars a month or so could be enough to own both systems simultaneously so there's an option there but then you start getting into the thing of you know you're you're paying what's essentially like a a lease or you know, in terms of like subscriptions for things like, you know, if you have subscriptions for like Netflix or Hulu, Amazon Prime, all that stuff, like it's just another recurring payment yeah, to totally. have to worry about. And then with phones and maybe cars and, and things of that nature. So it's like the the less of those that are on my plate at once, like the better. So just adding that in there just adds uh, I don't know, just one more thing to keep track of. So yeah, um, I, I have a feeling that I'll probably I'm I'm for sure gonna get the PS5, and then I'll probably just have my Xbox One X to kind of accompany that mm-hmm. for you know a while until you know maybe there's a really great deal on the Scarlet devices that I could do like a trade in with my One X towards that or something. So yeah, exactly. And like most times for the first year or even two years after console launches the the last console i'm sure the xbox one x is going to continue getting some support it's most people make that transition like the 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 real diehard or avid gamers are usually in within that you know launch day or within a couple months but i would say most casual gamers at least a lot of my friends with this generation didn't get a new ps4 xbox one until like roughly about a year that for when it first got it's probably like hundred dollar price drop or something like Mm -hmm. that and so i might you know consider consider that um or i might you know even just get my ps5 and then as long as long as there are games still releasing on both xbox one and and scarlet maybe even buy an xbox one x because those those are going to probably be pretty heavily discounted at that point and then i'm i'm still having a still keeping up with the xbox ecosystem until you know i i see a price drop with that new console i don't know it's really it's 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 hard to say there's options there but um who knows you know when with stadia launching then we have no idea what a year from now could look like and same with microsoft with x cloud right maybe these services are so good that it's like you know i I, and this is kind of playing into the question of the week a lot of you guys had thoughts about uh streaming in the future and stuff like that but it's uh 
you know, it makes you kind of question of when when's the point of if it's if it's streaming is something that is meets all the expectations. Do we stop buying the hardware? It'll, it'll be interesting to see how the industry might or might not shift in that from a year from now, right? So that's all the news stories we have for you guys this week. Let's talk about the Outer Worlds now. So basically, the Outer Worlds came out on October 25th, day and date with Xbox Game Pass, which is phenomenal, of course. Yes. <laughs> uh, Obsidian, the developers behind the Outer Worlds, um, was purchased by Microsoft uh, last year. And it was announced actually at the XO18 event. And at that point, they had already announced the Outer Worlds uh, a couple months prior at E3. Uh, so the game is available on PC, Switch, or sorry, it's coming to Switch, but it's available on PC, Xbox One, and uh, yeah, PC. PS4. PS4, sorry, that was the one. I was like losing track here. Um, but yeah, day and date. So I'm sure a large majority of the people like me and Adam booted it up on the Xbox one through game pass. And yeah, for those of you who need a little bit more backstory to this game, it's basically from the, the developers behind uh, fallout new Vegas and uh, some of the members who had worked on previous fallout games, but obsidian themselves actually did develop a fallout game, fallout new Vegas for Bethesda. And from a lot of the, the fallout community, um, that New Vegas is actually uh, a favorite among that community. Um, I've only played portions of it, but from what I hear, it's a pretty well-received game. And so a lot of people going into the Outer Worlds release were really, really looking forward to this because it was people that knew how to make a really good Fallout game, basically taking that formula, giving it a, a new IP, new story, new world, new elements, but still kind of sticking to those RPG elements that we see in the Fallout game to the point where it's almost like borderline copyrighted, like like <laughs> sue-worthy, you know what I mean? Like it, it's so much like Fallout that it, it kind of, you if you, if they just put Fallout colon, you know, the Outer Worlds or something like that, people would just think it's some sort of spin-off series. Mm -hmm. um, you yeah. know what I mean? So yeah, it would fit right in. Yeah, it, it, it's really much a Fallout game in every sense. Uh, so, yeah, that that's basically it in a nutshell. Um, but let's let's kind of move into Adam. Why don't you take it away first? Uh, what, how what how has your experience been with the Outer Worlds so far? So far, so good. Um, the way I've kind of been describing this game to people is that it's. Uh, Kind of like Mass Effect meets Fallout in space. That's perfect, yeah. Um, with less jank and more colors mm -hmm. than Fallout. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been really good. I've I've really enjoyed it so far. I mean, pretty much from from the beginning of the game, like it's just uh, it's it's got some quirkiness to it. It's funny, like it doesn't take itself too seriously, um, like you kind of get from the Fallout worlds and. Um, it's like I said, it's very colorful. Um, the combat feels good. Uh, everything's very feels very smooth, very fluid. I, I really haven't had on on my Xbox One X haven't had anything too major as far as like 
performance issues. Um, not really even like a ton of texture popping like you get uh, with with the Fallout games. <clears throat> uh, I've kind of been going through. So I normally play games as like the, your your classic good guy, and I kind of started out that way with this this game as well. But I've I've sort of gone into a role where I'm just kind of I'm I'm playing the asshole. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I'm kind of just just kind of tormenting people <laughs> as I go along. And, uh, you know, sometimes I, I make a dialogue response that I'm like, oh, this is a pretty smart-ass comment, so I'll do that one. And then um, I found that a lot of people in the game actually like that. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the NPCs, they're like, they just kind of go along with it. Like, oh, huh, I guess I had that come in or, you know, something like that. Or like, um, you know, where they think I'm hitting on them or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like so. when, you, when you're getting paid for a job, you're like, uh, excuse me, that's not enough. And they're like, okay, yeah. yeah, you're right. And it's like, oh, wow, you're really agreeable. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, uh, not uh, not really hitting too much in the spoiler territory here, but I did threaten to beat up an old lady <laughs> if I didn't get um, the reward money for doing a quest. Oh, my gosh, it was so great. Um, <laughs> when we get into more spoilery stuff, like, I'll, I'll talk about sure, that quest, yeah. but, um, <laughs> but yeah, overall, like I've, I've really enjoyed it. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I booted it up. Uh, I, like I said, I was sick and, um, woke up cause I couldn't sleep. It was like five in the morning and I'm like, okay, well I'll just play, play some outer worlds. And it was a great distraction of how I was feeling. Cause I just completely forgot that I was feeling like crap because this, this world was, and this game is, is quite exceptional. Um, probably one of, again, I'm only about 12 hours into it so far. So I have a bit to go still, but I, I would consider it one of the funnest games I've played this year so far. I mm-hmm. wouldn't say it's been my game of the year yet, but I, I really have had a lot of fun. Um, the biggest difference with this one compared to the fallout games is, uh, like everything is pretty pretty similar, right? Talking to NPCs, uh, having dialogue choices, you know, being left with the the choice of you know what you want to do if you want to help one person and screw someone else. Like that's all stuff that has has just been you know brought over from the Fallout franchise. Um, but the biggest thing that I actually didn't realize, and I know that they did talk about this leading up to his launch, is that it's not really a, as as big or as open as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. The game yeah. is kind of split up into planets, right? Which makes sense. You're in space. You, we knew there was going to be space travel. Uh, but even on one planet, you actually have to get into your ship and fly to different sections of that planet. And I don't mean like get into your ship and you get to control and fly like in No Man's Sky or something like that. I mean, you, you load in to your ship that's hovering above the planet and then you direct to this other section on the other part of the planet and you get a loading screen and then you you know you've landed in on that that port or whatever so that that's kind of been the 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 spaces you get to explore within each area aren't super big um which is kind of the one thing that i was i guess most taken back by because the, my favorite thing about when I first played Fallout 3 back in 2008 was when you get out of the vault and it's just like you go into this world and 
you kind of could go one way or the other or really it's up to you right same with fallout 4 mm-hmm. um you just have this big world in front of you and i thought that that's what i was experiencing in another world and then when i reached the edges of that map and brought up my map i was like oh wow this space is quite small i can go from one side to the other like i barely even use the fast travel um because of that so that was one thing that uh kind of surprised me um but other than that like i yeah i really don't have any complaints um i for one I'll, i'll speak to your point about technical stuff i have experienced a bit of technical bugs but not to the level of like fallout 76 or anything like that um i have had enemies kind of fall from the map um you know uh, through the floor i've had every single time uh your the camera pans like if you're in a, a scene a dialogue scene every time the camera pans to your companion who's making a comment every time it will take a solid second or two for the textures to pop in the character and then it will go back to you know the npc you're talking to and then the camera will go back to your companion and it the textures pop like it didn't even stay (laughs) like it like it like had reloaded itself again and so that's a little frustrating because it's but again you you haven't said you've had any technical issues so i think that's just a matter of me having the xbox one and you having the x so you know, I'm, I'm pretty forgiving. It's not, the texture pops is pretty much as far, I haven't had any things like all my loot is gone or, um, you know, rubber banding or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I did want to make sure I did mention that. Um, how do you feel about the games? One of the things that is, you know, always talked about in Fallout is, it's a first person shooter, right? You can play Fallout third person or first person. This one's just first person. Is that's correct, right? Like there's no way of turning it I, third person, right? Yeah, I don't believe okay, so. Because I haven't found a way to do that. In Fallout you could though. Um, right. But the thing with Fallout, even when it was in first person, is it wasn't a great first person shooter. Like the the mechanics of shooting guns, you know, aren't aren't comparable to let's say doom or something like that how right. do you feel about the the combat in the outer worlds compared to maybe previous fallout games i'd say i'd say it's about on par um maybe maybe a little bit better um and i think maybe part of that is just the variety i guess maybe of of weapons that have like there's not a overwhelming variety or anything but Mm -hmm. i found enough to kind of keep things interesting both uh between melee weapons and and ranged weapons and um you know having companions uh to kind of help out in combat that's kind of a you know different take as well but Mm -hmm. i i'd say it's pretty similar because i mean there is like a sort of like a time dilation ability that you have that is kind of like vats but still a little bit more real time than what vats is because that just completely stops the game but um i i mean yeah i'd say combat's pretty similar it's about on par with with a fallout game in my opinion yeah for for myself i would say it's definitely it depends on the weapon i guess because there there were some weapons i got my hands on that felt more fluid and better than any other weapon I had played in like a Fallout game but then there was I would say a large majority of the weapons like you said are are pretty pretty standard and um 
that that is talking about like variety in the amount um i will say that that is another again it's not really a criticism but something i noticed that there the in terms of weapon or even armor it, it seems kind of limited compared to fallout games um again i'm yes. i i i really liked fallout 4 i i played like the entire game i played a ton of i put like 80 hours into it let's say and one of the things i really liked is the ability to you know choose you know um things like gloves or you know with this it's just helmet suit and i get that you're in space Mm -hmm. but you're also on planets where people are just wearing regular clothes so in terms of oxygen or whatever like you know what i mean it seems like it's limited in that aspect but again that doesn't really affect the gameplay too much, so it's not not really something that yeah. I worry. about. I mean, about. if anything, it does help simplify the yeah. uh, your your item management a little bit more than than a Fallout game. And um, yeah, I will say, as far as like with Fallout and, and weapons, like you kind of have like your your core group of weapons that you can pick up. But mm-hmm. the thing that uh, Fallout has is the ability to just mod them, like. Mm-hmm all sorts of different ways and make something totally unique basically um whereas this game has some modding but it really doesn't feel yeah it's it's very like i I think it's just something they kind of added in there just for the sake of putting it in yeah like Um, i i would argue that even some of the mods for like melee weapons or uh even the range weapons like Besides, like, something like putting a scope on an assault rifle, like, I don't really even see too much of a difference of the mm-hmm. mods they're yeah. putting on. Yeah, they don't look a whole lot different. Um, they don't feel a whole lot different in the way that they're that they're used. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but, I mean, some of them are pretty fun to use. Like, uh, sniper rifles are just, they're so beastly. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I, I got one sniper rifle that, just kind of put the game into easy mode for a while (laughs) till it started getting uh, a little bit weaker on the damage side compared to some of the other weapons I've been collecting. But, Mm. um, and there's, uh, like assault rifles seem to feel pretty good using them. Um, shotguns feel really weak to me. I don't like using shotguns. Um, I mostly liked using light machine guns, uh, they seem pretty useful, but I mean, it's it's a lot of damage, but in small, like I, I see a lot of small numbers when I use it, yeah. so I kind of hate using it. Um, and there's some like like energy based weapons that I found that have been pretty fun to use. Yeah, I've been sticking to basically when my I'm at a point now where ammo isn't really an issue, but in the first couple... Oh, yeah, I have more ammo than I know what to do with Yeah, right exactly. <laughs> in, the, in the first couple hours, though, you're kind of still learning of, like, inventory management and everything. And, uh, you know, I had picked up so much energy ammo that... But didn't have an energy weapon, like a plasma rifle or something. And so when I did finally pick one up, I had so much more of that compared to the other ammo that I kind of switched over to that. But now that I've you know, like you said, have more ammo than you know what to do with. It's, it's, I've just been kind of flip, flipping between the, the different weapons. Um, I will say that in terms of melee weapons, I don't really, even in Fallout, I never really cared too much. There are some cool ones that are like, you know, you have, I have one that has like blades on it that are moving and it like mm-hmm. makes noise. Yeah. So it, that that's yeah. kind of cool. Like 
they're they're not just like a baseball bat or there there are right. a couple of those items but it's like some of the melee weapons are it, there i feel like there was more uh attention to detail put into them so I feel like I do more damage with melee weapons, so I, I like to try and use them when I can, but mm. when when most of the enemies I'm fighting are shooting guns at me or using other various range attacks, like I just feel like I can't really ever get up close without taking a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I end up just tending to stick to, to guns anyway. Right, yeah. So I think let's now kind of move into talking more about the story of the outer world so this is a official warning that you know for the next i don't know probably 15 minutes ish we're going to be talking more about the story and some of the the quests that we do in the game and some of our choices we made uh, so if you plan on playing the outer worlds and want to go in not knowing anything then you know skip skip towards to the last you know five five ten minutes of the show but if it's it's not like we are going to be talking about the end of the game. Neither of us have experienced that yet, but we are going to be talking more about uh, a couple main missions where uh, your choices can kind of impact your game. So th- this is your official warning. So duck out now if you want. <laughs> so with that said, let's talk about, uh, I guess the first thing I want, I don't know, is there a specific point of the story that you wanted to start off with or... Um, I was, uh, nothing in particular. Yeah, I was, I was going to maybe talk about like the first kind of just kind of our impressions around like the, the choices of going one way or the other. And the first place that that kind of takes place is in the first section of the game in Edgewater. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll set it up. Uh, basically, uh, Edgewater is a section on the, I can't remember the planet that, it's on. Terra 2. Terra 2, that's right. Um, so Terra 2, uh, it's the basically the, the place where you you land after being unfrozen and everything from the professor yeah, or whatever. You're pretty much starting the game yeah. in that area. Yeah, it's basically like getting through all the introductory stuff to, to its equivalent of opening up the vault for the first time. And yeah, it's basically like a tutorial zone, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, until you kind of get... Uh, get past everything um into the the first town and then you can start doing questing but even then i would say it still tends to hold your hand a bit on figuring out what the outer worlds is and how it plays like um so one of the first i think it's called emerald what's it called emerald emerald Vale. emerald Vale is the city within edgewater and it has a cannery like a, a tuna cannery um Sorry, I should premise this by saying that the Outer Worlds, one of the big premises of the game is that uh, in in these planets and everything, there are big corporations that kind of run the show, right? So you have um, Spacer's Choice, uh, you have Anticleos, I think there's some other ones, I haven't run into them yet, but they basically, they are the ones that kind of run run the show... um, when it comes to the the cities and everything like that. And so you run into lots of different outlaw groups or deserters or people that are kind of rebelling against this, you know, maybe far right capitalist perspective or that these, these, these corporations have, I guess. Um, and that's pretty, 
pretty obvious when you even you go into the city, this first town right off the bat, you see that um, there's lots of people that uh, are dealing with, there's a plague going around and you're, there's a group of people that have left um, this town. They're called the deserters. Um, and so right off the bat, you're kind of already knowing that you're going, there's going to be a lot of decisions of, okay, do you want, you want to side with, I guess, I, I, I again, the, the rebels, I guess is a good way of putting it or these corporations and everything. Again, a similar thing in previous Fallout games or even Fallout 4, there were so many different factions of people that were, you could side with or go against and stuff and how you react to these people can actually Im impact your rep reputation with them. Um, so if you piss them off or, or kill some of their members, you know, you're going to be wanted by them. And probably if you come across them in the map, they're going to try to kill you, right? So one of the first kind of big decisions you uh, come across in the game is you need to get your ship off this planet. And one of the parts that you need um, you go into town, you're told that, uh, what's his name? Is it Reed? I can't remember yeah, his full Reed. name, but yeah. he, he's basically the, the mayor, I'm presuming, of this town. And you go to him because he, he's going to be able to help you out. And he tells you that you need to go and get all these deserters who have left to come back and and work um, in the cannery because they, they've left and they need to to do that and one of the ways you can do that is by basically cutting off their their power um and so you're kind of there's all these people and you're kind of already questioning the morality or, or like your your moral compass and on which kind of do i screw over these people who have deserted <laughs> and are maybe less fortunate or do to, to help this this company and this organization and so you're kind and of also already, go ahead uh, the the this guy Reed he's he's a pretty shady dude looks yeah. totally like a mobster he's totally. got you know bowler hat and everything and you know he just comes off as a real real shady fella yeah. Yeah, so definitely. that right there doesn't inspire confidence to want to help him out exactly yeah but at the same time you're like okay this is this is the choice that you have to do so as you kind of progress in you you go meet these deserters and sorry i should say that he he says that they have the part they need but there's also um they have another part so then you go them and they're like well why don't you just take it from them um and so you kind of start questioning them, like okay that's your kind of first big choice in this game is you can help the read and but then you're screwing over all these people who kind of have set up this camp outside of the the sit this town and kind of had this premise of bringing in people, helping people, um, you know, just kind of at least for face value seem as though they have uh, a platform of wanting to help people. And then it's just a different kind of first impression that you get from them, if, if that's that's the best way to put it, I guess. And so you're kind of split between, okay, do I do I go with that or do I help this corporation? But if you if you go against this corporation, then you're kind of screwed over by basically, you know, not shutting down this town where there's lots of other people that rely on the economy and everything else that this cannery has to offer. And so either way, you're screwing somebody over. So Adam, why don't I just kind of transition over to you now? Tell me a little bit about that ex first choice you had to make. 
Yeah, so this one was actually a really hard one for me because, uh, you know, you get your first companion who, although Reed isn't very trustworthy, the companion that you get, Parvati, she mm-hmm. she seems like a very trustworthy person. Like, she doesn't fit the mold of, like, some of the shadier people you've seen in Edgewater. And so she's kind of taking the side of, like, Reed and the kind of corporate thing of, like, mm-hmm. hey, this is, a, this is a pretty big city full of people, and yet it, they're the lot they've been given kind of stinks, but these are still honest, hardworking people that are going to suffer greatly if you turn the power mm-hmm. off. Meanwhile, you have this group of deserters who basically left that city because they were feeling oppressed and wanted to try and make a, a free life of their own. And they're, they're turning the, you know, their section of earth that they've kind of claimed and are making it usable for growing their own stuff. Like right. they're, they're making a sustainable uh, community. And so making the decision was, was hard. And so me trying to play, uh, you know, the, the good guy, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to stick it to the man. I'm going to help these <laughs> deserters. Um, and, you know, after I made that decision, you know, and you go back and you visit the town and then Parvati kind of gives you a little bit of uh, a guilt trip as well. And you, you get back to town and you realize like, OK, I really did screw over this this uh, much larger group of people mm-hmm. than the deserters. And, you know, I kind of got that sense like, yeah, I was trying to stick it to the man. But really, this is just a small cog in that that corporation's business. Right. And what I really ended up doing is hurting these people that were just trying to exist and make a living and so i actually felt really bad about the decision i made and it was it was at that point where it's like well you know what like i'll just kind of embrace this decision and just be a dick now instead (laughs) of uh being a good guy um because one of the one of the things that kind of they put on your shoulders like yeah these people are doing these deserters are doing a good thing and and they are doing something special but at the same time it seems like they mostly want to shut the power off to Edgewater just out of spite mm-hmm. because of the guy who runs the show there and because of that corporate entity that kind of runs the place. And, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like they wanted us to take the power from Edgewater for kind of the wrong reasons. And, you know, in the in the end, it, it did feel like it was maybe the wrong reason. So I'm like, ah, well, I'll just, I'm like, screw it. Like, I'll just change how I'm playing the game. It's still early on, so I'll just go be a dick to everybody. Yeah. Uh, since that's kind of counter to to what I usually play in games. So, um, so yeah, I just kind of embraced it and rolled with it. I mean, the, the game has plenty of auto saves. I could have just kind of saved scum back yeah. to like a previous uh, save and, and changed my decision if I wanted to at that point. But I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll roll with this. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's the great thing about these games is even though there are choices. I mean, my I generally live by when I play these games, like live with your decisions, you know, whatever your gut tells you to go for, just go for that and stick to it. Um, when I played Fallout 4, I did that. And then there was times where like, oh shit, like I really, really <laughs> made a bad decision on this. Maybe I'm going to go back and, and redo that. Um, I actually wanted to bring up one other story beat that I encountered that I told you about um, over text that, really kind of screwed me over. I wasn't really thinking it through. Um, so, uh, yeah, I made the, the same decision <laughs> as, as you with the in Edgewater there. And so I, I didn't feel too bad about it. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe 
I always play these games as trying to be the good guy. Besides Fable, I would say is the only one where I try to kind of be more evil, more just because I think it is cooler in Fable. But um, I, I decided, okay, you know what? Let's just kind of do whatever floats my boat in this one. If if I don't like somebody, then I'm just going to write them off. And that, that was kind of the what I went with with Reed is he gave me this bad impression. Seems like a dick, so I'm going to, you know, screw him over. And so I came across, there's another mission. So you need to get some sort of, it's called a nav key, I believe. Um, and it basically allows you to land on this other port, on this other planet. Um, and to obtain one, you go talk to this person on, uh, it's called the Groundbreaker, which is this other ship. And it's it's another hub that you can kind of explore. There's lots of shops, lots of quests, and uh, its own kind of group of um, factions within this place and so you talk to this lady named Gladys and uh, she tells you that she can sell you one for 10,000 bits or you can get some information for her and so she received this distress signal from again on Terra 2 but another section of the planet and uh, you need to go investigate and see what's going on so you go down there and you see that these kind of like dinosaur type uh, they're almost like raptors, kind of, I guess. I can't remember what they're actually called. But they call them raptodons. Yeah, raptodons. That's why where I'm getting raptors from. But they've basically just gone savage because uh, they they use them to, I guess, <laughs> use to to help, I guess, put it simply. They, like farm, make, they farm the pheromones to create. Toothpaste, like, kind of. Like something for dental toothpaste. hygiene, yeah. Yeah, and then another guy's using it to create like uh, like aphrodisiac pills, like a Viagra yes. type thing, I guess. Yeah. And then I actually, in doing some more research, reading logs on computers and stuff, I found that they the intended use of trying to do it for dental hygiene, they were actually finding that it was... Um, impacting people's um hung like how hungry they are and stuff their appetite right, yeah. and so it was then they're like this is what we should actually be marking it for so that we don't have to spend as much money on feeding our you know like our our people and so i'm like well that's kind of shitty but um <laughs> you know that's typical corporation of just trying to make make as much money as they can off something um and so I was under the, I didn't realize, so you basically, you need to go, uh, go to this secret lab. And again, I'll, I got to give a credit to Adam because he pointed out um, that the, a bit of the, the comedy in, in this game of just like, you go to the secret lab and supposed to, you think secret lab, okay, <laughs> it's built into the side of this mountain. You're going to have to like move over a boulder to get to the entrance, but it's hilarious. You roll up and it says like, secret lab in big neon in big letters, neon letters. <laughs> yeah. like right in front of it so that's again just like talking a little little bit about the humor in this game and uh you roll up and you these uh outlaws have basically infiltrated this lab uh and they're trying to get their hands on some of the the documents as well and when you, there's another big decision where again you can take care of the raptodons, take care of these outlaws, get what you need and take it back to the scientists. But then you come across the decision of, oh, you could also give it to the outlaws and they'll, they'll give you money. Um, and so I was thinking, okay, sure. Like I'm kind of playing the bad guy. These are outlaws. Like, well, screw it. Let's just, let's see what happens if I give them to the outlaws. So I did that. 
And the security that you meet kind of at the, the foyer, the vestibule of this the secret lab, don't like that, obviously. And I got into a firefight with them, ended up killing them, which really ruined my reputation <laughs> with this corporation of anti-Cleos. And so uh, it was good because I did get some good loot from those guys, I will say. I go back into town, and of course, I'm... Uh, they react by trying to kill me because I have ruined my reputation with them, which now basically means I botched those quests and I now no longer have information obtained to give to Gladys. So I basically had to react by killing everyone <laughs> that was there in that city. I killed the scientists that gave the, gave you everything. Um, so in the long run, I did get a, some mad loot and I did like that aspect of it, but I... I really screwed myself because um, at this point, I think I had about 5,000 bits in my wallet. So I go back and realize, oh crap, I need I need some more money. So I had to kind of grind to do some quests, complete some quests to get enough bits. And I literally last night just bought the key and now I can kind of move on or whatever. But if I was maybe paying more attention, I, I wasn't, I actually didn't realize that I thought I was just completing these quests. All I, I thought all I had to do was kind of go and check out the, this distress alarm and report back to her, I didn't realize that I would be taking that information and giving it over to her and stuff. So um, I'm sure if I paid a little more attention, I probably would have not chose that route, but it's it's just crazy. Like, I, it just speaks to the fact that this game, like, I almost want to, like, play it, complete it, and then maybe on, just for the hell of it, go back and try playing the game by just, like, killing lots of people and seeing how far <laughs> that gets me, right? So. Yeah, and I mean, to, to give a little comparison to that same quest, as I ran through it, uh, that that marauder leader that you run across mm -hmm. that you could exchange secrets with, I just didn't even give him the time of day to, to even talk to me. I just... Shot him. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, you kind of get into the dialogue menu, and then one of the options is just attack him. Yeah. I'm like... I'm not doing anything to help you out. Like, screw you. So I just decided to attack him. I killed him. And um, I ended up getting... So I ended up collecting the secrets that you needed to go and, and sell back to Gladys. But what I ended up doing instead is I basically gave them back to uh, the scientists in that town. Uh, Rosewell? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, um, yeah Rosewell, Roswell. <laughs> something like that, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I ended up giving them the, their stuff back thinking I could, you know, give it to them, collect whatever, but I'd still maybe have that, at least have that information to give to Gladys as well and kind of get, kind of get both. But it ends up, it's kind of one or the other. Now, um, I gave back two of, two of the three and the one I kept for myself. So I did get that payout from Gladys at, at Groundbreaker, but, um, so I get when I turned it into those two guys. So I got more experience doing it that way, but I got less money. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I still got something out of it. So I was able like in the end, like I, I think before I even started it all, I had over 10,000 bits anyway. So yeah, I was fine. But um, by the time I finished up there in Rosewell and got back and delivered that final secret to Gladys, I had almost 20,000 at that point. So I had more than enough to, to buy the key. So yeah. it didn't really matter too much who I gave 
the information to the main thing was just getting the money. Yeah. Because my original thought process was if I give her the information, she'll just give me the key mm. um, instead of like it. But what it really does is you give it to her. She gives you money and then you buy the key. Yeah. So either way, you're buying the key. Um, so I got the money that I needed. I was able to buy it. So it didn't really matter too much who the information I gave to. But it sounds like the big deviation is kind of do what with you did and side outlaws, with the yeah. More, yeah yeah so two definitely different ways to to kind of play through there yeah i i read up um after i had done that kind of to kind of see because when i went back to her like i obviously couldn't hand over the the information to the scientists because i had killed them and there was one thing that i obtained somehow i think it was the um, what was it? There was something that I had already obtained and I was able to hand that over to her, but you had to handle, hand all of it over or something like that. Um, so I was just like, sorry, there was a fourth one too, that if your lie skill is high enough, you can right. basically tell her yeah. a lie and yeah. use that as like information and she'll give you a payout for yeah. that too. Yeah. So, so the, it's really cool. I like, I like how the persuading or lying or how your social skills like if you if you put in like the the thing is is they're not really that hard i well i guess it depends on what you give your character when you first create them but i most of those things like i've i guess i've just been putting a focus on that as well as lock picking and hacking so that Mm -hmm. later in the game like that stuff i'm never stuck with a door i can't pick or so a real quick side note about that is I was doing the whole hacking and lockpicking thing totally wrong for the longest time. Like I was basically skipping over everything because I didn't think I had enough materials. So like if you want to hack something, you, you get the bypass shunt. And if you want to pick something, you get those mag picks. Yeah. Well, when you roll up to something that can either be hacked or picked, there's two numbers that you see. And I thought they were both consumable resources that I had to use. So I'm like, okay, well, I have 25 of this, but it says I need 20. But then I have 12 of this and it says I need three. So I thought they were both resources, but no, the first yeah. number is your lock pick or your hack skill. Skill, yeah. And yeah. then the other one is your consumable to break into it. So for the longest time, I'm going through like not even opening things up because it's like, I don't want to spend 20 of whatever this resource is that's hilarious (laughs) so yeah and then i then i figured it out i'm like oh my gosh i'm so stupid (laughs) in fairness i didn't understand until i i knew that i was like well there's no way it's it's green it says like 20 i'm like there's no way i would have that many resources to to pick the i'm like this there what's going on with these numbers so it isn't super clear but yeah that that definitely sucks all the (laughs) <laughs> freaking things you probably could have yeah. been able to pick but oh well <laughs> um yeah the 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 game in the, in a nutshell i think it it kind of sets it up that you can your decisions definitely can you know whether you want to side with corporations or or go with the people against them it seems to be the big thing but a lot of it comes down to i think is you know especially with this quest that we just talked about is do you want experience or do you want the money right and um, for me, it's usually money just cause it makes the game easier in a sense, but in a cert, well, I guess that's debatable, but, um, 
the, the hard thing with me is I, the reason why I didn't even have 10,000 bits is because just like in real life, I spend money faster than I make it. So it's like, <laughs> I, I'm constantly, I was selling stuff back to merchants to try to get enough money back into, to save up for 10,000. And I finally got to 10,000. I was on my way back and unknowingly I went and repaired some stuff at a shop, not thinking that I was spending a bit of money doing that. And I was like, how am I back down to 7,000 bits? And I was, I was a little frustrated, but again, I couldn't fault the game because that was all my doing. So, um, yeah, at the end of the day, I love how, you know, you and I can play the same quests and stuff, but just have completely different turnouts just based on our decisions. Right. Like now with me, like I'm, I'm screwed with the anti Cleo corporation (laughs) and that town is now a ghost town. There's nobody in it. I've looted every single thing and there's just corpses sitting all around to, to as your game you know who knows maybe those characters pop up some way down the road it, it's kind of cool I, and i really really appreciate that aspect of it so um i'm sure we're going to be talking about the outer worlds more uh into next week's episode so we can talk about it a little bit more next week uh i'm going to look at wrapping up the show here um yeah because ne- next week we were talking before the show like we after party is actually out I'm going to go play mm-hmm. after we're done recording. Uh, Luigi's Mansion's coming up. I was going to buy it. I'm not sure if I'm going to buy it or not. Uh, and then, you know, we still have Our Worlds complete. I got Death Stranding coming up next week. So we're getting into that busy season where it's going to be hard to start juggling these games. So I'm really hoping that I can beat it and, uh, you know, finish it. I think it's doable. It's They said it's around 30 hours. I heard... Like Greg said, he beat in roughly like 20, but he was just kind of sticking to main quests. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I really want to take my time with it, but we'll see sometimes with these games, when they get to the last little bit of it, I end up just trying to streamline the main quest to get it over with other times. You know, it's more common in the, the early parts of the game. I wanted to explore every corner of right. the map and that kind of stuff. So I'm already at the point where I'm not entering every house I see and looting yeah, every yeah. object I can find. Like yeah. I'm like I have plenty of weapons, plenty of ammo. Like totally. I don't need to loot every house I come across now. So now I'm kind of focusing a little bit more on on just completing quests, uh, both side quests and main quests. So. Yeah. All right. So let's move over to question of the week. So last week's question was if streaming video games becomes a viable option, would you consider skipping purchasing the next generation of consoles? So a bunch of you, I think I must've guilted you guys. Like I posted that, uh, when I posted the question, I was like, Hey guys, if we want this segment to continue, we're going to need some responses. Uh, cause the last couple of weeks we've gotten very limited uh, besides your brother and Coleman here and there. I think that's been it. So, uh, this week was we got lots of responses. So the first one it comes from Coleman Dean. He wrote in to me and said, I really like the idea of portability that streaming games brings. And if all games were supported on Stadia at their release dates and you could get reasonable discounts on games as they get older, like physical copies from game stores and lag isn't an issue, I would consider Stadia over the next generation of hardware, but I am very skeptical about those things. So I think that's what a lot of people are feeling you know if those things turned out to be flawless you know i think more people are gonna find themselves probably checking out streaming uh i got a couple more responses here uh so first let's head over to twitter uh so your brother steven at lordly kings dot 
responds, probably not, just because of exclusives. A lot of them are just too good to pass up. Uh, Campbell at Campbell S. Gill responds and says, It depends on how viable streaming really is. I have no doubt that Stadia will be functional at least, but will it ever be as reliable as using an actual console? It'll have to be absolutely perfect to make it worth missing out on Sony slash Nintendo exclusives. Um, and then... Lastly, over on Facebook, Jeremy Soderberg responds, For me, it would depend on the quality and speed of my internet connection. I wouldn't want to try and stream a 4K video game on 5 megabits per second internet, so for me, I'll stick to my digital library and external hard drive. Um, Ray Armstrong, yes, my dad responded in. (laughs) He said, (laughs) I would do streaming because I think it's the wave of the future. Consoles um, are still good, but streaming makes sense. Uh, and then Brian Paquin, friend of the show, says, if NHL is available through streaming, I'd consider it. <laughs> uh, of course, Brian is pretty much an exclusive Pokemon and NHL player, so that would probably... It's an un- unlikely priority. combination. Then. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, r- great responses, uh, you guys, to this week's question. I really appreciate all all the answers. It seems like a lot of you guys are basically on the fence about it as long as these things can kind of work as they are supposed to and how google you know says they're going to work I, of course this is more open-ended i'm not just talking about stadia i'm talking about in general stream but stadia is the one you know leading this charge towards streaming so adam i know we've talked about it on the show just i guess briefly what do you think about streaming and maybe skipping console purchasing consoles i i know personally but maybe for the listeners that don't yeah i i don't think i could not still purchase consoles um just you know as as some of those listeners had mentioned is the exclusives like you know we're not gonna see last of us show up on something like stadia or you know ghost of tsushima or you know god of war probably would never show up on something like that so uh, exclusives are a big thing. And then, you know, with Xbox, you have Game Pass and the, the value on that is just so ridiculously good. Um, you know, unless Google is able to compete with that somehow, like I, I just can't see completely skipping out on consoles. And then Nintendo, of course, like they're just off in their own globe, like releasing almost all like their stuff is exclusive. Yeah. So um, it, it, I think the big thing is when it comes down to, like uh, third-party games that are going to show up on everything, like your Watch Dogs and your Cyberpunk and, you know, things like that that are going to be on multiple platforms already. You know, if Stadia comes out and it gives me zero loading time, no lag, um, you know, uh, you know, no updates or, or wait times and things like that, like it's just, you know, you... You sit down, you play, you're in your game. Like I could see maybe using that for like the third party games, mm-hmm. over, like rather than getting them on like a PlayStation or Xbox or something like that. So yeah. I think it would depend on uh, what game it is and if it's not available on other platforms. Totally. Yeah, the, the exclusives are a big one. And for the same reason, I, I'm basically in the same boat. The like... I bought an Xbox One and I had the Xbox One for almost, so it came out in 2013 and I got my Xbox in 2016. So I had the Xbox for three years before I got a PS4. And those three years were pretty hard, especially when 
the PS4, again, some of those games weren't out yet, but even just games like Uncharted and The Last of Us Remastered, just missing out on those experiences were, were painful to me as someone who really <laughs> likes that kind of game. And then with, you know, seeing trailers for Horizon Zero Dawn coming up and God of War and Death Stranding and, you know, Yakuza and those those games that are exclusive to the the PlayStation 4 console, I just, I couldn't give that up. And so that would be the same thing with, with here is, you know, we're not, I'm not going to, will I, like, if, if there's going to be a Spider-Man 2, the chances are it's going to be exclusive to a Sony console. And right. that's a game I'm definitely not going to want to miss out on. So I don't think I would replace it with the consoles. But yeah, if it, if it meets all those things, if I can have a 4K gaming experience, all those technical things that you've already mentioned, if there's no hiccups with that, then I'm probably, yeah, I might make that the place to play majority of my games. Um, but I still, you know, especially with us being, keeping up with the industry as much as we do, like I, I, I couldn't pass on something like that. But I definitely will weigh it, right? I, I made the poor decision in my opinion. I, do I honestly do regret getting an Xbox One over a PS4, even if the PS4 launch wasn't, wasn't great you know the xbox wasn't but I've, I've been disappointed as an xbox owner this generation and um you know so when the switch came out i it wasn't on launch but i'm like i want to play zelda really bad and so i waited i saved up my money and and got that and don't regret that at all so yeah it, it should be interesting i can't wait for next month um to finally get my hands on on the console uh or not the console this the service of stadia and seeing how it works and i really hope that it, it meets meets expectations so so again thank you guys for writing in of course uh we have to issue this week's question and so this week's question is how do you decide if you want to buy a game or not uh do you base it on review scores um do you base it on it's maybe developed by one of your f favorite companies uh, or publishers, etc. So what kind of is the deciding factor or what drives you to decide wh whether you buy a game or not? So you can send your responses into the email address at gamesarefunpodcast at gmail.com or you can respond on Twitter. The question is posted there every week, uh, usually posted about a day after the show goes up. Uh, link for that is in show notes just at games are fun pod on twitter or on facebook just search for games are fun again as mentioned at the top of the show it's in the show notes so yeah really looking forward hopefully we get just as many responses as we did this week for next week as well all right so that wraps up another episode of games are fun that was episode 70 i didn't realize last last week's episode was <laughs> episode number 69 and I didn't, I missed the opportunity to make a joke. So I'm making a joke now. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, so thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. We're going to be talking hopefully about After Party, some more Outer Worlds. And yeah, it's just a matter. I'm, I'm, I'm in a moment right now where I'm just, I can't wait for Death Stranding. That's all I have on my mind. No game matters <laughs> right now. I'm super excited for it. <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, I'm looking forward. We're, we're getting, we're getting into that hype Vember. There's going to be lots of games to talk about. So our episodes are going to be really packed, uh, up until Christmas basically. So, uh, Adam, where can people find you 
on the socials? Uh, uh, you can get a hold of me on Twitter at AdamPalooza85. You can follow me on Twitter at LukeAllenArm. Of course, follow the show at GamesAreFunPod. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode, and we will talk to you guys all next week.